Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special Bella Asks episode of The Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin. As longtime members of the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance, or BELLA, know, we offer a special concierge service whereby BELLA members who have any questions at all about ethics and compliance can send them to us, and then our internal experts will provide an answer and or direct them to a helpful resource for more information. Some of these concierge requests are fairly specific to a particular company's needs, but many of them represent larger themes facing BELLA members. That's why we're using this show to thematically respond to high-level questions from the Bella community. And joining us to give those responses is Bella Chair, Erica Salmon-Byrne. Erica, as always, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, I apologize to all of you out there who have listened to this whole series and are getting sick of hearing me say this part of it, but it, it remains true. Um, we get so many of these requests, hundreds and hundreds of concierge requests every year. And so if we don't take a step back and uh, look at the themes and think to ourselves, wow, I bet there are other people out there with that question, um, then shame on us. So um, I'm delighted to be here and to continue this tradition of sharing with the community. What are the outcomes that companies should be looking for when it comes to things like investigation close times, and post-investigation follow-up. I've mm -hmm. once heard investigations kind of referred to as it's kind of like a party, like everybody wants to do it and plan it, but nobody wants to clean up after. So the post-investigation thing seems to be just as much as a, a, a vital part of success as any other part of it. Yep, it, it certainly is. And I, I would say in, in many ways, Bill, it's the most important part, right? Because when you think about that, that process from the perspective of the person who has had the courage to raise the concern in the first place, they're on pins and needles until right. they know that the investigation is finished and they're waiting to see if something bad's gonna happen to them during the course of that process, right? And so uh, the, 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 the fact that we get so many questions about the, the close process is actually a great thing from my perspective because it means that companies are really paying attention to this critical period where you have an opportunity to engage the people who were involved in the process in a way that is restorative and provides some closure to what could what could be a very challenging chapter in their development and, and their evolution with your particular business. So um, one of my favorite Bella members, Katie Lawler, likes to say, there are three stages to an investigation, speak up, listen up, and follow up. Um, and all three stages are incredibly important, right? So making sure employees are comfortable raising their hand and saying, hey, I saw something, I don't think it's cool making sure that the channels to which those things are raised are ready for, hey, I don't think it's cool, right? So whether it's your manager, it's your HR business partners, it's the compliance team, it's the hotline, even though as you and I both know, Bill, from our culture data, the hotline is a fraction of what comes in, right? The vast majority of it is coming in through other channels. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that those channels are ready to listen up and to flow that information where it needs to go. And then follow up, right? And follow up is not just during the course of the investigation. Follow up's also at the end. Right. Follow up is your opportunity to say thank you to the employee who raised a concern. Thank you to the witnesses who participated. Hey, I'm not going to get into the outcome of what happened, but I want you to know how much we appreciate you stepping forward. I hope you felt respected through the process. Right. Those are the kinds of things that we see companies really leaning into and taking seriously. And so from a data perspective, right, we see 34% of the um, world's most ethical companies now are doing conversations with both known reporters and significant witnesses after um, an investigation is closed. 28% uh, of them are doing conversations with just known reporters, right? So between those two, that's a majority of WME companies 
that are engaging in a very deliberate follow-up process to close the loop at the end of the investigation. 13% are doing um, survey-based follow-ups. And in some cases, this can look like a net promoter process, right? Hey, you just went through this crazy thing. Would you recommend it to a colleague? Um, did you feel like the investigator treated you with respect? Do you feel like you were kept informed throughout the course of the process? Those are the kinds of things that get people to say to their friend who comes to them to say, hey, I, I saw something. Do you think I should say something? Those are the kinds of steps that get that person to say, yes, you should, because I did and it was okay. Mm -hmm. And that informal, you know, sort of culture creating activity, that is why follow-up matters. In the previous episode, we talked a little bit about close times. So mm -hmm. I'd love to get a sense in terms of, uh, you know, you talked really, uh, you know, wonderfully about some of the follow-up practices on investigation, but I imagine there are programs that get very hung up on close times and really kind of mm -hmm. watch that clock ticking, both from the investigation side and also from the people involved in the investigation. They know the clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. They can't go back to their regular work life until this thing is concluded. So can you talk a little bit about what companies can look for, what they should look for, what good looks like when it comes to the topic of investigation close times? Yeah, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because I think close times is one of those metrics um, that, that people can get a little hung up on because it's easy to track, right? So all the, all the case management system technologies allow you to track close times. The challenge with setting a close time expectation for all kinds of investigations is um, making sure that people are, are closing things appropriately, right? So I actually encourage companies to think less about closed time and more think of more and more about closed process, right? Mm -hmm. um, and more about steps, investigation steps, and what are the stages an investigation goes through, and how do I handle something that is stalling at a particular stage? So those are the kinds of things. If you if you think about the way that an investigation unfolds across an organization, there are going to be there's going to be a variation in how quickly you can close something. There's going to be a variation in how quickly you can get witnesses on the phone. There's going to be a variation in how quickly you can get your arms around the information that you need, depending upon the allegations that you're dealing with. And so instead of setting an arbitrary like 45 days or bust, right, sort of metric, think about what are the stages that this process is going through? Are those stages unfolding the way that I would expect them to compared to other kinds of investigations across the business? And how do I make sure that the people involved don't feel like they're in limbo through those stages? Because it's, it's as much about that communication cadence as it is about anything else. Because look, if, if, if an investigation takes 60 days because two of the key witnesses are on paternity leave, that's not inherently a bad thing, right? As long as you're communicating with the person who raised the concern to say, look, I get it, you're in limbo. I get it, you're frustrated. We can't get to the witnesses we need to talk to until everybody's back in the office. We'll get back to you as soon as you can. And building that flexibility into the process to put the people involved at the center of the process is more important than arbitrarily setting a 45 days or bust kind of metric. I could not agree more, but uh, Erica, thank you so very much for joining us on the Ethicast today to lend your insights and your experience and understanding to these topics. Uh, I know it means a great deal to Bella members everywhere and also to people in the ethics economy at large. So thanks so much for sharing your time with us. It is my pleasure, Bill, and to all those Bella members out there listening, keep the questions coming. Um, and Bill and I will come back. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been a special Bella Asks episode of The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. If this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, 
Google, and Amazon Music. To learn more about Bella, please visit bella.ethosphere.com to request guest access to the Bella Member Resource Hub and to speak with a Bella Engagement Director. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.